When was the last time you backed up into a parking spot instead of pulling into it forward? When was the last time you tried a new menu item at your favorite restaurant? And what do these questions have to do with the quality of your life? That's what today's podcast is all about. Thanks for staying connected. I'm Dr. Bulow. So I had some great conversations with some great patients today about what it means to be healthy. Um, And I wanted to share with you my definition of health and I wanna relate that to the quality of your life. And so if you'll stick with me as I kind of define how I look at health as a physician, as an upper cervical chiropractor, how do I define health, how do I look at it and what in the world it has to do with my perceived quality of life and potentially the quality of your life. So hang in there with me and let's get started. Um, You know, if you were to ask 100 different people, what does it mean to be healthy? You know, like if you yourself, if I asked you that question, if you were to write a list of all the criteria that, you know, what are the check boxes of of health uh, that would have to be checked off for you to say, yep, I'm healthy. I've got this, I've got this, I've got this. Therefore, I am healthy. You know, after doing this for so many years, I can tell you the things that I hear and you can tell me if this makes sense to you. I hear things like, well, I'd want to have a lot of energy, uh, less pain, uh, quality sleep, good relationships, and the ability to do my tasks of daily living. You know, maybe, maybe uh, not being on any medications, don't have to go to the doctor. You know, I feel pretty good. Those are all like these line items that people have to define for themselves whether or not they are healthy, right? So here's the deal, it's not a bad definition. It's not a bad definition, but it is a limited definition. Um, By the way, to let the cat out of the bag a little bit earlier or a little bit ahead of time, if you were to have for yourself a checklist of I have a successful life, what's that checklist look like? You know, I'm I'm happily in a relationship, I've got a 401k set up, I've got a steady job and I've got, you know, two and a half kids and a picket fence, you know, whatever. But we could we could talk about having these ideas on another podcast, but the bottom line is that's the one of health. Now, um, it's a good definition. I feel good, I'm sleeping well, I, I don't take any medications, I don't have to go see doctors, but it's a little limited. And let me tell you why it's limited. We just finished Thanksgiving, okay? Now, I wanna tell for you a story that's a true story. Um, a friend of mine, his parents, they went to a Thanksgiving dinner and had a great time and they came home, went to bed. Next day they wake up and they both have a low-grade fever. Fever, Excuse me. They both had a low-grade fever. They started vomiting. They started having diarrhea. They started feeling pretty darn lousy. Um, after a while, they call the family friend who's a physician and they say, hey, look, we've got this low-grade fever. We're vomiting. What should we do? He says, look, you know, this is late November, early December. Weather's changing. You probably caught the flu bug. Um... You probably should just go to your corner store, drug store, and pick up some Kaopectate and Pepto-Bismol. And what do those things do? Well, they it's kind of like putting a cork in either end, right? So they stop throwing up, they stop vomiting, they stop going, having diarrhea, and they think, oh, thank goodness, you know, the battle is over, the battle is won. But little do they know, the war raging on continues, so 
they end up getting really sick and they have to go to the hospital, which is where they were correctly diagnosed with food poisoning. They didn't have the flu. They had food poisoning. So let's talk about that for a minute. If I ingest a poison, something that's bad for me, what do you suppose my body should do? Like if you ingest the poison, what would you hope that your body does for you? Tries to get rid of it, right? And there's only so many ways of doing that. Typically it involves coming out of the top, coming out of the bottom, or through your skin pores, right? Not a pretty picture, but that's how it's done. So in the process of throwing up, are you sick or are you expressing health? See what I'm saying? If you don't throw up, what happens? If you don't have diarrhea, what happens? Well, you get septic and you could die. That's one example of how our prior definition of health is not that great, because we could feel lousy and be sick, certainly, but in this example, you could feel lousy and actually be doing exactly what you need to be doing in that moment in time, right? Now, let me show you the other side of the equation on why this this idealistic definition of health is not entirely all that accurate. We could feel healthy and be healthy, but are there examples in our life where we feel okay, but we're not okay? How about the leading cause of death in the United States? Top two, what are they? Heart disease, cancer. Heart disease and cancer. Let me tell you something. You ask anybody that's had a heart attack, in the hospital. You say, what were you doing right before you had the heart attack? Oh, I was working, I was doing this. Did you feel okay? Did you have crushing chest pain for weeks leading up to the heart attack? No, I felt fine. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks. How about the person who gets diagnosed with cancer? When they had the cancer diagnosis, by the time most of these tumors are recognizable, like a like a like like breast cancer on a mammogram, <clears throat> by the time it's visible. It has to be a certain size, like the size of a pea, you know? And for it to be that visible, it had to have been growing in your body for years, years. So my question is, in the years leading up to the diagnosis, how did we feel? Most of the time we feel fine before we feel that lump. So are we healthy for those months and years or are we slowly growing a disease? So our definition of health begins to fall apart because if we define it on everything being hunky-dory, perfectly picturesque, you know, ideal, the reality is that's not real health. Sometimes health is messy, sometimes it's great, but it's not solely defined on how we are feeling. It is more aptly defined on how we are functioning. And if in a worldview where, and this is my worldview, that life is a miracle and that the body is vastly intelligent, then so long as my body is innately working to the best of its genetic potential, to me that's at least one of the best definitions of health, is that all systems are running as best as they possibly can. And the most important system is the central nervous system, the brain and spinal cord, and one of the things that it does, and I'm getting to my definition here, one of the things that the brain does for you that is fundamental to your health is that it adapts you to the world. It adapts you to the stresses of life, right? 
So my definition in a word would be adaptability. The ability of the body to adapt to the stresses of life. So I'll give you an example. If it's cold outside, you should shiver. If it's hot outside, you should sweat. If you eat a jelly donut, you should produce insulin. These are natural ways that your body adapts to the cold, to the heat, and to the sugar. If you do not adapt, you get hyperthermia, hypothermia, excuse me, hyperthermia for the overheat, and diabetes if you don't adapt to the sugar. In fact, I would argue that most chronic illness, genetics aside, is a manifestation of the body's lack of ability to adapt or deal with a internal or external stressor in that body, right? Little Johnny who always gets ear infections, but everybody else in the school is fine. Does he come across more germs or is his body not adapting as well as everyone else in the school, right? Most chronic conditions can be tied back or traced back to a body's lack of ability to adapt. So in a minute, what I'd like to tell you about is like, what does that have to do with you and your quality of life? So let's think about it. We have definitions. We have these standards that we've built up for ourselves, this checklist of what we want in our life. And if we don't have that checklist, we say we're not successful. We're not happy. We're not living to our fullest potential. But if we have that checklist, we're like, yeah, we're great. But in the same way, how many people commit suicide that have everything that, that most people would dream of, could only dream of? That, you know, Anthony Bourdain commits suicide in the last year or so, and the guy was internationally known, had a cable television show, was very wealthy, but he killed himself. What he possessed was probably the checklist most of us would have, but yet he was obviously unhappy. And then at the same time, you have someone like Mother Teresa, you know, someone who, you know, for most people's checklist has absolutely nothing, but yet has everything, is totally satisfied and totally happy with the quality of their life. There's different reasons behind all of the above, but may I suggest to you that no matter what comes into your life, your ability to adapt and deal with the stresses because life will not get easier. It doesn't happen that way. Life inherently is chaotic and stressful. In fact, it gets more so the more you try and grow and develop. You take on more stimulus. You take on more responsibilities. And your ability to adapt will be proportional to your fulfillment as life begins to build. So here's my here's my my, my recommendation, my tip for you. If you want to expand your adaptability in life, first of all, in your health, you know, if you want to make sure your body's adapting, you got to make sure that your central nervous system is working well. Great way to do that is to see a great chiropractor. That's just the way it is. Um, if you're in life trying to adapt, may I suggest to you that you on a routine basis, change your routines right? If you typically pull face into a parking spot, I want you to back into it this week. If you typically, 
you know, have go a certain route to work or to school, take a different route. If you listen to this podcast, hey, still listen to it, but find a new one at the same time, right? Whatever your routines are, change them, change them, mix it up. Don't do the same thing that you did yesterday if it is not critical to your well-being, right? We all have to have our routines that are good for us, but our day-to-day routines, we need to change change them. And the simple things are the simple things. Change change what side of the bed that you sleep on. Change the, what you have for breakfast. Change what side of your face you hold your phone. Try and text with your left hand instead of your right. See what I'm saying? Like, honest to goodness, it may sound silly, But what it does, it starts to expand your brain. Your brain says, this is new and different information. How am I going to handle this? And then you can move it on to the bigger things, new routines, new habits that are going to positively improve your life. But just being conscientious about the routines, the day-to-day that you have in your life, and then modifying them for a week or two until you get comfortable with it. And then once you get comfortable, flip the script and change it again will begin to expand your comfort zones. One other thing, anything that you are uncomfortable with or about, you have to attack head on. You have to attack head on. The only way you are going to expand your comfort zones and become more adaptable is to grow your life experiences. And the things that you're the most afraid of are the things that you need to start to head or face head on. Even if it's only mentally visualizing, like if I was afraid of heights, I would mentally visualize climbing a tall tree. I would mentally visualize climbing a tower, right? I would expand my ability to adapt to that thing that that is creating stress in my chest, right? Even if it's just mentally visualizing that thing, you know, if I'm afraid of snakes, I'm gonna mentally visualize. I'm gonna look at photographs. I'm gonna slowly warm up to the point Maybe I'll go to the pet store and I'll look at them. Someone would say this is crazy, but you say, no, the things that I am the most afraid of are the things that I need to approach. Otherwise, I am going to be in a shell, a a rigid, fixed shell where I cannot adapt, I cannot grow, I cannot learn, and I cannot expand. And I just remain static and I shrink and shrink and shrink over the course of my life. So my goal for you, my hope for you, my dream for you is that you expand and you adapt and you grow. That's what this is all about. Thanks for staying connected, guys. We'll talk to you next time. Bye now.